Welcome back to Spanning the State. I am Kristen Bry. He is Eric Bilstad. And earlier this month, Senator Baldwin introduced legislation that would slow down or put the brakes on investors and hedge funds from buying up single family homes that they then rent out, increasing the amount of people who are renting versus buying and becoming first time homebuyers. And we were talking about there one company that has bought a thousand homes in Milwaukee alone, but Journal Sentinel reported that one out of five Milwaukee rental homes has an out-of-state owner. So there's more than just this company doing it here in the city. Yes. And so I can imagine also having been a renter, trying to get a hold of your landlord who doesn't even live in the state, <laughs> probably not the easiest thing to it's do. It's like an 800 number. So learning about the prevalence of this practice made me wonder, in the conversation around first-time homebuyers, affordable housing... In Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, how big, where is this on the priority list as far as how big of a problem it is? So here to talk more about that is Teague Whaley-Smith, who is the Chief Alliance Executive with the Community Development Alliance. Um, and you focus on affordable home home ownership in Milwaukee, correct? Yeah, particularly around racial equity and closing the gap between white home ownership and black and Latino home ownership. Got it. So how, where is this on your guys' radar as far as this being an obstacle to people entering the housing market? Uh, the top priority. It is. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So um, the Community Development Alliance is a network of uh, residents, housing implementers, funders, uh, and other allies in the public sector to address racial equity and homeownership. Uh, the alliance put together a housing plan in 2021, which was the first ever collective affordable housing plan. So we were all working from the same page. Is approved by the city council, county board, et cetera. And the number one issue was the predatory investing that was occurring. And there are some transactional approaches to this. For example, we set up an acquisition fund uh, that's an $8 million fund for a local nonprofit to buy homes away from landlords and flip them back to homeowners. But that's not going to be enough by itself. There needs to be a regulation in this area. And so I was just thinking about this because there's affordable housing issues across Wisconsin. And in some places, it's about building more homes. Like I was just seeing in Oshkosh, uh, a headline and a story about we need to build our way out of our, our housing shortage. In Milwaukee, there's not a lot of places to build more, right? Like we are landlocked. There's We're surrounded by other communities. So is that why for specifically in Milwaukee, it's changing who owns the homes versus trying to encourage more building? Uh, we need both. Okay. Uh, so we have about 17,000 black and Latino families that are aspiring right now to buy a $125,000 home or less. So that's 17,000. Each year on the market, there are only 1,500 homes available. So more than a 10 to 1 ratio between the number of families that want homes and that can find the inventory. And even worse, of that inventory, 40% is going to investors rather than to homeowners. And in some of our neighborhoods, up to 80% of those homes are going into investors instead of homeowners. Uh, so in uh, if you look at the Milwaukee history, 95% of the single-family homes and duplexes that were built in our community were built prior to 1968 when it was still legal to discriminate against black and Latino families. And that's exactly what happened. After 1968, we literally stopped building because yeah. we were landlocked at that point, and only very large homes in the suburbs were be able to be built. And 40% of our ownership inventory went to investors, and that's still going on today. Are the homes that are available, are they also overpriced? I mean, is there some price gouging going on there? Uh, particularly since the predatory investors have started targeting Milwaukee. Uh, we have one predatory investor that has come in. Uh, there are three firms that have bought over 1,500 properties in the last five years. 
Uh, and one of them is under pressure to now sell because they are at a point where they had adjustable rate financing and interest rates have gone up. Um, but they are selling at twice the purchase that they uh, they bought for just five years ago, fundamentally changing the market in neighborhoods in a very negative way for new homeowners. So they're not desperate enough yet, uh, but certainly with interest rates where they are, we hope to see some positive news. But it's going to take legislation like what uh, Senator Baldwin has introduced uh, and others have introduced to make sure that uh, people are on a f- uh, fair playing field. What we like to say is that the big problem is portfolio sales. These properties are transferring uh, from one landlord to another. They're never listed on MLS. No one homeowner can buy 10 properties, keep one for themselves, and sell the other nine. So we need to have an even playing field for homeowners. Often homeowners are willing to pay more than landlords, but it's just simpler for out-of-town landlords to sell to one another. And what's been happening is smaller landlords have been selling to these bigger fish rather than splitting up their portfolios and selling them to homeowners. We're talking to Teague Whaley-Smith, who's with the Community Development Alliance, about predatory investing, which is the first time I've ever heard that term. I've heard of predatory lending, which we all know from 2008. But can you explain a little bit more about what that term means? Uh, Well, they're very related. So everybody remembers the 2008 financial crisis. And what happened is that in neighborhoods like mine in the Sherman Park neighborhood, just a block away from us, there were 12 foreclosures on one block. Typically, low real estate prices for entry-level homeowners is a good thing. But in that circumstance, you know, you could pick up a duplex or a single family home for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in our neighborhood, but no banks were lending to anybody, and our neighbors didn't have that kind of money. So it was outside investors who had their own access to cash that came in and swept up these properties in a very predatory way. If you looked at a map of Milwaukee, uh, where predatory investing is occurring, it would look exactly like a population map of where black families live. And I think there's also a story that what crashed the economy in two thousand and eight is predatory lenders took this practice and perfected this practice in black neighborhoods and taking away equity from people. And then they just took that technique to the white suburbs and destroyed economies there as well. Exact same thing is happening with predatory investing. The initial focus have been on the most vulnerable population that nobody is defending. uh, And they have now started to take that technique. And you're starting to see this in white suburbs as well. Interesting. All right. Well, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to at least I want to stress why homeownership is still important, why it's not only for individual families, but as a society, as an economy, why a generation of renters is not necessarily a good thing. And there are a lot of renters now, right? Like Tons of renters. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that when we come back. Citing Unlimited, WTMJ News Time, 121. This is Spanning the State on WTMJ. Welcome back to Spanning the State. I am Kristen Bry. He is Eric Bilstad. And we were talking to Teague Whaley-Smith uh, from the Community Development Alliance about homeownership, what is getting in the way of single individuals being able to buy homes in Milwaukee because there is new legislation trying to keep big investors with deep pockets from buying up what is available. And to put a finer point on it, why is homeownership still such a big deal, not only just to individual families, because we think the investment of it, the return on investment, building wealth, but also to a society. Like, I don't think it's a good thing to have a majority of people be renters, is it? Yeah. And the research would back you up on that. Modern research shows that people in stable housing have a 30 percent lower dropout rate for their kids, uh, 20 percent lower crime rate, including homicide rates, 
20% higher uh, overall uh, health and employment rates. It is really a critical factor. And the issue is that rental housing has fundamentally become unstable in the Milwaukee market and many markets throughout the country. We've seen double-digit increases in rent. If rent only increased at the rate of inflation, the average rent would be about $550 to $600 a month if you average it from the 1950s. Instead, the average rent is closer to $1,200 to $1,400 rent. So rent increases faster. And the beauty of homeownership is that it locks in your rate for the next 30 years. You're paying the same mortgage payment for 30 years. Imagine if you were paying the same rent as your parents 30 years ago. That's how powerful homeownership is because it locks in. Uh, that payment for 30 years. It's the best hedge against inflation, particularly rent inflation, which has been in double-digit increases over the last several years. Well, and also, I have to imagine, I don't know if there's been, there's probably been research on it because everything gets researched in one way or another, but the value of taking care of the home that you own versus the place that you're renting, but also for these big corporations that own all these properties, some of which they never probably even see. And so their their accountability or responsibility to maintain, upgrade, improve. So how does it also affect our neighborhoods when it's not individuals taking pride in a home that they own? Yeah, it affects our entire society, not just the neighborhood we're living in, uh, but the entire society. There's a great book written in the 1990s called Bowling Alone, which measured the impact of community and the loss of civicness uh, in our country. And people are less likely to donate to philanthropy, less likely to um, you know, be friendly, less likely to vote. Every single civic metric is based around the homeownership premise, because if you have homeowners that are there, they're more likely to participate in their school board meeting, care about the funding level of their schools and cities. Uh, they just have a stake. They feel like they belong in the community. And I think if you look at a lot of things that we would label as social ills, they're really a lack of belonging um, and not feeling like there are consequences that actually matter because you don't belong in a community. And when you get up to 80% rental in a community, people don't start to see it as their community anymore. They see it as somebody else's. Is there an average amount of time a home renter will remain in a house? It entirely depends on neighborhoods. In some of our neighborhoods that are uh, in most poverty, um, it's not even a full year because they can't afford these outrageous rents and they get up getting evicted during the middle of the year. You've heard Mayor Johnson or County Executive Crawley speak. They'll tell you that they went to 12 different schools because they had to move every single year. Um, So for a lot of families in our core neighborhoods, it's every year. And imagine what that does to a school system. The model, of course, is Sweden, where you have the same teacher in the same class for seven years. Here, teachers don't even have the same kids in the classroom throughout the year because there's this housing crisis. So the legislation that's been proposed is at the federal level in Congress, in the Senate. Is there in the House, in the Senate, is there anything we could do at the state level that could affect this? Um, absolutely. Uh, and there's things we can do at the local level as well. Uh, but it's time for the feds to step in. In 2017, yeah. the city council saw this problem happening. They passed very smart legislation that said landlords had to register and keep their property code compliant, a fairly middle of the road legislation. And within months, the state legislature came in with 2017 Act 317, which stripped the local government with the ability to regulate landlords. So we're going to need federal government to intervene. 
uh, unless the state legislature somehow changes its mind and recognizes that landlords uh, are part of the problem, not uh, not the solution. There will always be a need for some people to rental, particularly older people that don't want to take care of a home. But right now, the black and Latino uh, homeownership rate is half of what it is for white families. We have 32,000 families that we need to support to reach racial equity. That's not going to be solved through landlords. It's going to be solved through homeownership. Well, this is fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. Our guest is Teague Whaley-Smith from the Community Development Alliance.